1: You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with Gunners Tan. Dave Seeger, the sole representative tonight. Very good to have Dave back in the studio and for us to dig in to what is going on at Arsenal at the minute. Four successive league draws for the Gunners. But me and Dave have decided we're going to look at it as a positive because mm. it is unbeaten to start the year. Maybe with that winter break around the corner, just the tonic for team. Test- Gunners team at the minute. We're going to be talking all about that and delighted to say Gunners Tamra Alex Burns will be joining us for the first 30 minutes. Delighted with that. And then another guest, Warren Ratcliffe, uh, who runs AFC uh, Analyst account on Twitter, will be joining us. Then we will be doing some sort of a, a look ahead. There is no game, obviously, with the winter break this weekend. What we'll be looking towards Europe and the FA Cup and what the rest of the season holds. Dave, it was four successive league draws, or as many uh, opposing fans want to keep pointing out, two wins in 17 Premier League games. A stat that we would never say, really, about an Arsenal side. Uh, Now in February, I was just going to say January, but it is February, 25 games played, six league wins, four draws on the spin. Burnley yesterday, Turf Moor, 0-0, what did you make of it?
0: It's just one of those games where, I think a lot of Arsenal fans were probably quite surprised by some of the selections, but it still looked on paper like that it was a good enough team. And I think had we taken the, the, the good chances we had early when we were playing very well, um, it might have been a very different story. But uh, we didn't. I mean, you know, you'd, you'd have put your house on Ambamiang in that situation and to completely miscue it is just very unlike him. And Lacazette's just so low on confidence. That uh, it's not a surprise. So I think also having Martinelli, you know, on the different flank didn't help. Um, and and the very surprise selection, obviously Gundizi despite playing well against Bournemouth over Torreira, uh, I think had a lot of us scratching our heads because mm. that's been such a good platform, you know. But conversely, let's say you know we're keeping a lot of clean sheets and we're we're very tight defensively, which you wouldn't have ever said under Emery, which is a positive. And you have to start, you know, you have to start from shoring up at the back, which I'm sure Ateta is very aware of, and I'm, that's one of the positives. And the other thing is. It's, it's, um... You know, we, we can say we've only had six wins but we've also only had six defeats which is the same as Man City um, so it is just converting those draws to wins and that's what we've got to start doing and, and if we do crikey knows where it could take us to the end of the season because we have a platform now definitely
1: yeah it's hard uh, obviously as Arsenal fans maybe sometimes glass half empty we always want more the high standard we set ourselves but Dave's right there an Arsenal team that was always uh, fan themselves on the criticism of conceding too many goals too many shots this is as Dave pointed out a Team that isn't conceding as many goals now. Hopefully, when we take those chances, Arsenal could have easily been two 0 up inside half an hour, and then Burnley came on strong. It could have been a completely different towel uh, I do want to bring in Alex though, but before we do that, Dave, I know you wanted. Well, to I was point just going to say. I mean,
0: Alex and I were were together before the Bournemouth game, uh, and you know, we had a cracking result down in Bournemouth in the mm. FA Cup. You know, I mean, I say two one against Bournemouth. It's a cracking result. We haven't been winning away from home that often, so it's a good result. Uh, you know, and we're through to the next round of the FA Cup. But you thought, obviously you think you're going to build on that uh, and we didn't quite happen but I'd be very interested to see what Alex thought yeah you know, at the start of the match you know yesterday when you know I think maybe I don't know I'm not going to put words in Alex's mouth but Mustafi might have been a surprise given that he was carried off only a few days earlier certainly keeping you know La- Lacazette through the middle and not playing Abemiang I don't know what do you think Alex I
2: mean the team selection was surprising to say the least I think the most surprising thing probably was um, the fact that Lacazette was, was brought back in. Obviously, he didn't play in Bournemouth. Um, obviously, Aubameyang hasn't played since Palace either. Um, but it just felt as if we're, we're just trying to accommodate him at the moment um, and, and pushing probably our, probably our best centre-forward since Van Persie out wide. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, that wasn't even the only surprise uh, exclusion either. But I think Gendouzi had a good game against Bournemouth, but probably shouldn't have played yesterday. I don't think him and Jacka work... As well as him and as Terra and Jacka do together. No, I agree. Um, and
0: then
2: the substitutes yeah. the as well. Um, you know, Urzel didn't really do too much again. But the lack of Pepe and, and maybe even Savias deserves a run as well at times because yesterday I thought we really, really lacked control, especially in the second half.
0: Yeah, when he came on against Bournemouth, I think we both, you know, we, you know, everyone commented that, you know, we were just starting to lose control of that game a bit. So Baez came on and gave us a lot of control, I thought, in central midfield. But I think also, I think, I don't know what your view is on this, but I think it's understandable at the beginning of the season. We know Abamian can play down the left. His work rate's been very good this season. And Lacazette is obviously, is not as good wide as Abamian, So that's sort of understandable before the... You know, emergence of Gabriel Martinelli. So you, you know, you didn't have a, a, a necessarily a, a very, very good option on the left. You now do have a very, go, very good option on the left. So it's even more strange, given Lacazette's obvious lack of form and low confidence, that to, to move Martinelli, you know, and not just bring Aubameyang through the middle.
2: I mean, yeah, Martinelli playing right yesterday. You know, he was very, very ineffective. Um, and obviously, I, I'm one of the people that doesn't actually think Bamiang is actually particularly good on the left. He, you know, he's, he's a good. He has a good work rate, but does he have the dribbling qualities to beat a player like Nicholas Pepe would do, like maybe another winger would do? I'm not sure. I feel like we're, you know, you wouldn't put your best striker out on the left to accommodate someone who's scored one away goal in about 18 months. So yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it's something I think we need to address in the Mm. summer. I was saying, I think I was saying to you last week, I would quite like Thomas Lamar. I think he's still a good player. Um, But obviously we still have Reese Nelson. We have an Emil Smith-Rowe who can play anywhere along the front three. Obviously Martinelli as well. But again, it it really is finding the balance. And to be honest, you know, you have to look at and say, you know, Arteta's trying things. He's looking at whether Martinelli can play right. You know, it's, it's difficult conditions and that can play a part, but yeah, it, it, it's sort of trial and error for him. I think up uh,
0: until May. Yeah. I think the other thing is also when you're playing, which we obviously are playing, four-two-three-one. One of Lacazette's attributes is dropping deep, you know, holding up the play, bringing other players into it. But that sort of gets in the way of Ozil as well. Whereas Aubameyang just wouldn't do that. He would just stay central and he wouldn't be dropping deep. When you've got two wide players, you, know, you don't really necessarily need your centre-forward dropping in deep all the time. And Lacazette's doing that, I feel, because he's still good at that. He feels confident in that. He knows he can hold the ball up and, and bring other players into play. Whereas he's not confident in the six-yard box.
2: Yeah, I mean Lacazette is obviously they're very different strikers, really aren't they? I mean Lacazette is very much a back-to-goal striker, very similar to Giroud, but obviously he has a little bit more to his game. Aubameyang is very much a runner, so if you know if you put both in the team, you sort of have to you have to play where Lacazette drops in and Aubameyang makes that direct run. It's very similar to the, I think it was our second goal at Bournemouth. You see the way that I think it's it's Eddie that drops drops in and then Saka has all the space out on the left. And it's sort of similar to that in a way. Like, I think the goal against Palace, for example, where I think Lacazette drops in, and then Urzal drops in, and he plays a part of Bami and makes that run from the left, and he slots it in. It's something like that that we need to work on if we're going to play both of them. But, like I said, they're both very different strikers. And to be honest, I would probably stick to playing one of them for now because we really do need to win games.
1: Alex, just on the game itself, obviously there always seems to be a little bit of needle between Sean Dyche and Arsenal. After, afterwards, Sean Dyche saying that Arsenal were play-acting, we, you know, we're always keen to dive, and there was a little bit of needle there, and Arteta blaming the pitch, and Gwendouzi and David Luiz saying that uh, Burnley played the long ball. What, what did you make of it? Because there is a little bit of history between the two teams, isn't there?
2: Yeah, I think it's a bit weird, to be honest, because you look at Burnley and you think, OK, Arsenal would really struggle going there. They're very similar in the way to Stoke, and we I think we may have had two wins against Stoke in the last nine years. we played them, that's away from home. However, Burnley, I'm not, I am not. I don't know if we've lost there on, in the Premier League. Here. I know
0: Sean Dyche has never beaten Arsenal. We have had a some yeah. serious amount of luck with last-minute mm. penalties. and. They've so far, lost
1: their last 11. There's 29 Premier League clubs. Sean Dyche has beat 27. The two he hasn't beat are, are Arsenal and Sheffield United. We, wow. We've won the last 11. Wow!
2: Yeah, again, it does. It takes a lot of of luck. I remember. I think Oxley Chamberlain handballed it in in the ninety sixth minute. In I've one,
0: forgotten
1: that
2: one game. Uh, I think Sanchez smashed a penalty in. At Penen- the no, end. I didn't one smash
0: of... it. It was a penenka <laughs> <laughs> in the ninety seventh minute. Yeah, ninety seventh minute. In the corner. No, no,
2: this is away from home. Yeah, no, this is this is, is, a, this is at
0: Turf Moor. Yeah, Alex. No. Yeah,
2: the, the Panenka was at the Emirates on oh, no, okay. the but the other one away from home, it you know, Burnley's one of those grounds typically that Arsenal would struggle at. And we haven't. Yesterday it I, it was weird because I felt I never felt like Burnley in the past have really been able to obviously to grind out a win against us. Yesterday I didn't think we dealt well with the long ball. You know, it's all well and good saying that Arteta and Gandusi and, and Louise say they play anti football, but you you have to adapt to that. It doesn't matter you know, who you're playing, it doesn't matter the conditions. You have to adapt, and we definitely didn't do that. Um, I thought as soon as Granit Xhaka came out of the midfield and went to left-back, not that that was his fault because we had Sakharov injured as well, um, we really lost control of it. And, you know, Torreira, he, he looked a bit rusty, if I'm honest. Genduzzi, he he really... He, I feel like he needs some mentoring, to be honest. You know, when and, a came into the team, and a hairband. And a hairband but he doesn't have that sort of control that a Shaka would give you. Um, this was, Yesterday was the point I felt like, Sabah, like you said, Dave, Sabayas was very good when he came on against Bournemouth. He had a bit of control. The way he, he plays, it's very, it's very unique, something we don't actually have elsewhere in the squad. So in terms of that, I thought the substitutions were wrong. How uh, Lacazette got 80, I wrote this in the blog. I'm not sure how Lacazette got 88 minutes. It was probably his worst performance of the season, and that's saying something. Um, yeah, it, so in a, in, it, in, I
0: think it's a, in in a four two three one, just to shut you down, I mean, we know now. I think that Arteta isn't going to change his formation, and like, you know, fair play. In a four two three one, you know, if you got two and then Ozil was the one, we don't have to have that as Ozil. Who would be your three then, right now? Or if everyone was playing at the top of their game, which would be your two, and who would be at ten in the current squad? What is a central midfield? No, the two. Yeah, the two. Pivots yeah. and then the ten.
2: Uh I think you'd have to probably picked Terrera, Shaka and Urzil. Urzil probably be based on the happened there's nothing really better than him. Obviously he, his outfit's been really poor for a while. But um yeah, it would probably be Terrera and Shaka. I think they give the best control. I think Jack is a progressive passer and I like that about him and I think he's really he's really improved under Arteta and the way he's sort of responded off what happened against Palace at the Emirates. Um, that's he has to play every game. So you don't, um, you
0: wouldn't, you wouldn't like to see Ceballos given a run where Ozil plays. Then you don't think he can play that role?
2: I mean, is he really a ten? He's probably sort of between a six and an eight. You know, I, whether he actually can play that role, you know, is, is another question. It, it might be worth having a go in in a game, maybe at Portsmouth or something. It might it might it mm. might be worth it, um, but I'm not sure at the moment. He he can actually play there. I think he's more of a player you would probably play alongside a Torreira, maybe a Xhaka if you wanted to rest them. But I think if you if we're going now, we're looking at the Newcastle game. I would probably say it'd be Torreira, Xhaka and Özil. Um, we have played well since Arteta's come in with both three, uh, but yeah, it's just obviously when when we bring Gunduzi in, you know, I feel like we lose a bit of that control. And we definitely saw it yesterday.
1: Alex, obviously, a lot's being made of uh, two wins in 17 Premier League games and Arsenal only winning six league games in the 25 they've played. We can look at it from that perspective. Obviously, that is a fact and that is true. But there are some small positives. Arsenal extending their unbeaten run to seven games in all competitions and not uh, unbeaten in seven away games in the Premier League as well. And as Dave pointed out, only lost six, which is up there, with Man City, who obviously second in the league. Where do you sit on on between the two? Because obviously both are correct, but do you see it as a positive or you're always slightly papering over the cracks?
2: I mean, it's difficult. When when Arteta came in, I think you have to look at it as he had a six or seven month pre season, so in the league, I think it's not too much of a concern for me now because I feel like we were so poor before he came in. It's nothing new. If it was something new where we were like we were playing well and we were doing really good things beforehand, he's come in. We played really well at Bournemouth, I felt, on Boxing Day. We again, unlucky against Chelsea and superb against United. Palace, again, we've had, we've had spells in games like the Palace one. Where we played really well for half an hour. Should be two or three up and we, we lose that control. And I think that's probably a fitness issue as well. Um, I would say on, on whether it's a positive or a negative over overall, it's negative. You know, I think you look at two wins in 17 Premier League games for for Arsenal is absolutely insane. And you know, I think it, I'm not sure it might be Man United and West Ham. I'm not are the games that we've won, yeah. And they're both really. Let's be fair, West Ham are are a really poor side, and Man United is probably the man, worst Man United type side you've seen in the Premier League era. Um, so it, it's definitely a negative for me. But I, I like the way that Arteta's coming in and giving us a structure and a purpose and lots of people can see what he's doing so you know and I I always said this was like a six or seven month like pre-season so you know it it really is just sort of trialling things and seeing who can play where seeing what you can get out of players and ready to go in the summer for when we uh, hopefully can Turn things around and, and, and get some
1: players up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gunner's Tan uh, writer Alex Burns there. He is staying with us till half seven, but pointing out the wins that Arsenal have had. Obviously, playing West Ham soon. West Ham looking like they could be relegated. Terrible form for them at the minute, but we are staying around and we're going to be talking about Arsenal's deadline day action. Love sports. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. Joined in the studio with Gunners Tan, Dave Seeger, talking everything about the game on the weekend. Arsenal drawing with Burnley, the fourth successive draw in the league for the all Gunners. Alright, alright. <laughs> but what are you making of it? Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 70 20 558 and you can have your say this evening. And we're also joined by the brilliant Alex Burns, Gunners Tan writer. Alex, I want to move on to signings now because last week Chris Howard was here, and we was wondering would we get Pablo Mari over the line. And obviously, Arsenal went on to sign another defender this time, Cedric Suarez from Southampton. Two good signings, obviously, in our, our budget. We 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 all know about the budget. What did you make of the signings overall?
2: Well, I I don't know too much about Pablo Mari as such, and I'm sure many people won't. However, Cedric Suarez, um, I, did, I think I did a piece on him as well. He's a very good player, one that I have looked at in the past and thought, yeah, we could do with him. I think he's a very good athlete. He's, he's different to Hector Bellerin and such, and very different to Maitland Niles. I've actually read something on Athletic today where Southampton were surprised that a club of Arsenal's size has come in for him, which I hadn't seen before, which has worried me slightly. But I think for a 28 year old, you know, if he does well, we, we sign him on a three because I think his contract's up. Um, but, yeah, obviously, when we've, we've got the Premier League still and the FA Cup and the Europa League, we're going to need players square pegged in square holes. And I think it's a very good addition.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I liken it to the signing of Debushi when we still had Sanya. You know, it's that bringing in an experienced professional who you know is going to give you a 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 every week. I've, I've loved him for a long time. I wanted us to sign him two years ago. Last year, when he went on loan, I would have taken him when Bellerin was... Literally been overworked and having to play every single week. I thought he would have been a brilliant signing, so I'm delighted by it. But interestingly, I know you've written about it. What one one of the things that Arsenal fans have been debating a lot on social media, particularly at the time, not so much now because he hasn't gone, but sobias was obviously making noises about leaving, and everyone was saying is 80 mate and I was going to now step back into his favoured role and play in midfield, and he's just another option, but. You know, I don't know I know you think he might get a chance there, I think it'll be in Europa because the other thing, coming back to what we were talking about earlier, is Arteta obviously favours Willock quite highly and definitely ahead of Ceballos in his thinking. We can tell that by his substitutions. Willock is either getting a start or he's coming on ahead of Ceballos. So it's gonna to be tough for Maitland Niles with the arrival of Cedric, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um and obviously one one thing that Maitland Niles has to his bow is that he can play central midfield. He's played well there in the past. He's had some poor games there in the past. Um, you know, it, it, I think that Arteta's looked at it and thought, you know, we can't just, we're in, a, we're in a difficult period. We can't just get by on what we've got. We have the FA Cup to play for and we have the Europa League to play for, which has that obviously illustrious Champions League place. Mm-hmm. So I can see why he's done it. Um, I, I, I think Maitland-Niles could, could do a job in central midfield. It's, it, it, you know, it's a debate to be had whether he can play there over a consistent period of time. Uh, at times, I think he he lacks concentration. He, his passing is very loose at times. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a difficult one with him. Where he actually, you know, I don't know how old he
0: is now. He's about 23. You know one, how, one of the things he does—he's 22 actually. I think. One of the things he does have in his favour, over and above any of our central midfield players, literally any, is his lightning quick. You know, we have no rapid reaction in our central midfield. You know, one of the one of um, when his real downside is when he's caught out of position or he loses concentration, which is often he can't recover. And the same with Shaka, you know. But Shaka's more experienced; it doesn't happen as often. But even Torreira's not quick, to, you know. In 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 the Maitland-Niles sense, because we saw Maitland-Niles when he's playing at fullback, you know, mm. he does make mistakes, but his recovery is outstanding. So it is one thing that he has massively in his favour to play in central midfield is that recovery, because it's the amount of goals Arsenal have conceded by losing the ball in central midfield with a loose passing and then not being able to recover. Is quite you know that is something massively in his favour there definitely.
2: Yeah, I mean he, he that that is true. He's obviously very quick. You know, playing fullback, he he can get up and down. He he's got an engine on him, and you're actually quite right. I didn't really think about that. There is not really a central. I'm always right, Alex, You know that. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a, there's not a central midfield player in our squad who has 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 that, and that you know that could be a key attribute, especially late in games as well. You know, there could be times where Jacker yeah. he, he'll definitely be suspended, Gondouzi the same, and there'll be a time where he he'll need to he'll need to fit in. Um, I don't think Cedric will be back until maybe after the international uh, the the winter break. Sorry, um, so you know, Maitland-Niles could still have a have a shot there. Um, I think Cedric could play left-back. I think he's played there at times uh, for Southampton, very similar in the way that uh, Azpilicueta does for Chelsea. Um, so, you know, do other thing is completely over for him there, but I, I think the signing indicates that Arteta doesn't see him there
1: in the future I would agree Alex you mentioned that uh, somewhat this season is like a long pre-season now but then you did say the Europa League offers that illustrious place into the Champions League we're into the fifth round of the FA Cup playing Portsmouth a league one side doing very well but a great chance for us to progress to the next round two cups on offer here two cups that you know one w- w- our history is second to none and the other we've, we've got to the final and reached the semi-final in the last two seasons this is a great opportunity for us not a pre-season just yet is it?
2: I mean, it's difficult. You know, we've we've had some poor performances in the Europa League season, at, and obviously we had a we had a so-called Europa League specialist. So you know, nothing's a given here. Um, it's probably in terms of the of the cups, it's probably not. We you know, that it, it's a strong platform that we have there. However, the league the league is is for me completely done. It's just it's just a difficult one really because you know, Arteta could go could get to a semi final. You know, he's never been in that position before where he's the front man. He's, he's going to be, you know, he, he's walking into a semi-final with Arsenal in an FA Cup or Europa League. It, it, it's unfair to judge him on that, I would say. Obviously, it would be nice, but I, th- I, I, I wouldn't say most Arsenal fans are resigned to not winning either of them. It would, it would be a nice addition. But uh, in terms of, of the rebuild and everything, I think, you know, it, it, it really is a chance to evaluate where we are over the course of, of the next couple of months. Um, obviously, it would be really nice to be in the Champions League again. I've forgotten what the feelings like, to be honest. But you know, yeah, it it, exactly. it it's just a. Uh it's so, a difficult one really certainly
0: gives him the opportunity to look at these players he's bringing in like 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 Suarez and like, and like Mari to see them you know against strong opposition you know in, in Olympiacos and and you know if we go further which, I'm, which I assume we will um, you know that there, there is a good opportunity to see whether whether those players can push what he currently has because he's got some decisions to make i mean Mustafi's come in again and done well um, Socrates, you know in in and out the one thing I find quite strange, going back to the signings, is whilst we knew we needed an extra centre-back with the injuries we had and letting Mavropanos go on loan, Holding's been rusty, Chambers out for the rest of the season, I just think he's built his team. One of his generals is David Luiz, who is left-footed, and then he's brought in an actual le- you know, he's sorry, he's playing on the left, and he's brought in a natural left-footer in Mari. I'd be very interested to see, long-term or in the next few weeks, whether he's going to try and play Mari, which I'm sure he will, on the left and whether Louise steps out or whether Louise moves to the right. Because I think natural football-wise, if you're going to play a natural left footer on the left, as a footballing centre-back, Louise is the best we've got, which isn't saying much, but it's the best we've got. And I think that's the most natural partnership. What do you think, Alex?
2: Yeah, again, it. it's, it's a really difficult. It's almost mirrors the centre midfield the field pairing, really, doesn't it? I mean, mm. it, we have options, but we don't have loads of really good options. You know, David Luiz is a very good ball-playing centre half with the ball, but when he hasn't got the ball, it, it's a completely different kettle of fish. He's, he's very poor without the ball. I don't think his positioning is particularly good, and it hasn't been not just this season, but throughout his career. I think people were questioning us actually signing him. Well, a lot of people always said he, he can only
0: play in a three, don't they? That's that's what most people think.
2: Yeah, well, that's because you know you have two that can cover either side, um, and that's because obviously his positional sense isn't great. Uh, Mari again. I, I'm, I don't know too much about him. I think he might be the first left-footed centre half we've signed since the Marlon. Maybe I think that I read that the other day. But, but Arteta Which actually
0: is, told the board he wanted a left-footed centre back. I mean, he said he, he said that early on. Yeah. So it's definitely a player that he he wanted. Obviously, Eddie was involved. He you don't, you don't go to those lengths unless you're going to play him. I yeah, assume he hasn't come in definitely. just to cover to the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I think Arteta will make a judgment on it. I think it will probably either be Mari and Louise or. Or Mari and maybe Mustafi. I think he's been excellent since he's come in. He hasn't done. He really has played well. And um, to be honest, considering the criticism he's got, he, he, he's another one that's bounced back superbly. Um, again, it's it's weird because I, I said it in, in the piece I've written today. Uh, we do have some selection headaches, you know, especially in defence and midfield, all over the pitch really. And this is this is another one. Um, but going on on the question, I would probably say. I think look, you have to play Luis He's a very good passer of the ball. I think yesterday he, he spotted Aubameyang making a, a diagonal run, which is probably one of our best chances. And there's not another player that can pick balls out like that. So I'd probably say he has to be probably the first name on the team sheet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Alex, really appreciate you coming on tonight and being part of the show, staying with us for half an hour. Gunners Town writer Alex Burns there. Really good to hear what he had to say. I'm sure he'll be on sooner rather than later. Well, we have been talking about the new signings that Arsenal made and obviously maybe the strange selections that Arteta's made yesterday and the substitutions, but what did you make of it? Tweet us at Lovesport Radio or call us 0208 Up next, another very special guest as Juan Ratcliffe will be joining us and we'll be talking about the winter break. Love sport. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sports Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with Dave Seager from Gunners Tan, talking everything about the new signings, what kind of impact can they have? And obviously, we were joined by Gunners Tan Riot, Alex Burns, but delighted to say, Warren Ratcliffe, who runs an AFC uh, analyst account on Twitter, he's joining us now. Warren, really good to get you on. Dave's just been telling me, of all the brilliant work you do, no- noticing the tactics and the runs and a positional sense... Uh, Checks that, in the post was. <laughs> the Arsenal <are> already do. <laughs> Doing before maybe a lot of fans have even cottoned on to it. It's really good to get you on. What are you making, then, of Arteta's impact so far?
3: I'm very infused. Very infused. I think that, um, first things first, we've got to take into account that he's repairing a lot of damage here. I mean, Arsenal sort of last 12 to 18 months, and and I took on the bat, and and really, I think, we lost our identity, and, and players spoke about it, and he spoke about it, and I think what we've got to appreciate is his first step is to rebuild that identity, regardless of initial results, regardless of players maybe struggling out of position and, and in different areas. He is rebuilding that identity, he's set a formation, and for me, um, he's he's implementing that well. But he's also intelligent enough to play different ways within a formation. So he's setting up in four-two-three-one, and that's what he wants to do, and that's what I like. But it's just rebuilding that confidence getting us moving the ball how we used to and, and finding our sort of style again and I think that for me is the key start he has to make and it's something he is making.
0: One of the things you picked up on quite quickly and I you know I didn't really notice it until I saw you talk about it was the sort of not only the way Shaka and Martinelli were combining but also it, you know, Martinelli, Martinelli can cut inside, become the second striker. Cause Saka goes forward and provides the width. But when he does that, Shaka has been dropping in and supporting it almost as an auxiliary left back. And and people yeah. are saying, oh, Shaka's has dropped into three central defenders. Well, he, it wasn't really like that. He's just covering that left back position almost because he's an intelligent guy. But I should imagine it is probably because Arteta's has told him to when Shaka goes when Saka goes forward.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that is. And that's what I was talking about ways of playing within a formation. And I think that's only a temporary thing because Saka has done really well. And, and the same with Maitland Niles on the other side. I mean, I, I feel sorry for Arteta in the sense that he hasn't actually had both fullbacks, first choice fullbacks available at any point. Pellerin's come back in, played three games, and Maitland Niles have been deputising. And then obviously, Kalasinac, we had that one game with him against Manchester United, and we had full control in that, in that game we, right up until. Sort of later in the game, and even then, we still looked in control, and and we were pushed higher as a team. And with a, an actual left back at left back, it allowed Jacker to be higher in midfield, and we dominated the game higher up the pitch. And all the attacking players' performances um, sort of improved. Like Lacazette had probably his best game under Arteta in that in that in that scenario. But I just think that it is a ploy at the moment from Arteta because we don't want to put too much pressure on Saka. He's he's a young kid playing out of position, and Jacker's naturally left-footed. It's aiding us in the sense that he can play the ball, but we do relinquish a bit of control when we lose him deeper out of the middle. So I think, again, Arteta is just trying to deal with the, the scenarios we're in at the moment, rather than this being a long-term, long-term issue. So I think he's just, until we get our left backs back, one of Tierney and Kolasinac, um, and there's no slight on Saka and his performances, but I do think we'll naturally see um, Xhaka control the game higher, and as a result, Lacazette may improve with his link play, and also we might see um, other players more involved. Because on the right hand side, where we've been so left side dominant to try and protect Saka, Pepe has found himself quite isolated when he's been playing. Mm. And I just think the balance of the team might return when we have. If, I'm, I'm very excited to see Beller in one side and Tierney or Kalas at the other.
0: Yeah, and also I know you're quite you're quite vocal about Reese Nelson as well. I mean, you know, yeah. the fans are getting. Rightly so, probably carried away with Martinelli. I mean, he has thrown in some amazing performances for a young player. But you, I saw you on Twitter today saying you, you would like to see Aubameyang through the middle with Pepe and Reece Nelson. So yeah, you'd you'd actually you'd actually like to see Martinelli rested?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's more of a I think it's more of a rotational thing. I, I think there's horses for courses, and, and and obviously it'd be nice to see a manager that actually you like manages players properly. Seventy minutes here give them a rest if they're tired. We, we need to rotate the squad and we need to keep the people fresh because, like you mentioned earlier about Hector Bellerin, he's, he's the kind of player that was running to the ground. So, Arteta, again, he's bringing in players like Cedric to, to, to give us that competition in every position. I know he said he wants two players for every position and a club like Arsenal should have that and he's right, but definitely with Reece Nelson, I feel when we get um, an out-and-out full-back back on the left again,
0: his combination
3: play, I think he's the perfect inside forward and yes, he's young and and we haven't seen much of it for Arsenal, but he's done a really good job in the Bundesliga. And I think the sky's the limit for Nelson. And, and throughout his whole career at every age group, he's been one of the top, top guys. So I just think it's a matter of time with him. And Again, we need to be careful with him like we do Martinelli. But it's, it's a nice issue to have with young, talented players that once we get a fit 11 and, and, and we continue to play this structure, they will learn their roles and how they will improve with players and I'm looking forward to seeing that.
1: Yeah and just quickly on Reese Nelson Warren uh, this is a player that Arteta has spoken about at length hasn't he saying that you know they had that chat someone that he has to buy completely into what we're doing here and you know does he want to be on the same page and he said that Reese Nelson they had a good chat and he does want to be and it can only take him to the next level so it's clearly a player that Arteta does love and enjoy and he's going to use more.
3: Yeah and there's I mean we've all heard these stories about the impact he had on the wide men at Man City and I think Arteta, he comes across as the kind of guy that people want to listen to, and I think they they they're engaging him and they they believe in what he's telling them. And I think um, and it will be the same with Nicolas Pepe. I mean, we, we, we've obviously the big price tag coming, but this guy is super talented, and it's it's just a matter of time before his confidence clicks and and they, they start scoring the goals and they start contributing. And it, I'm I'm really I think Arteta is the right man to get the best out of them. Like we said, we saw with. A and Sterling, the impact he had there
0: and I think a lot of
3: it again is it's down to um, the structure of the team and, and these defined roles that we're starting to see and, and once we get the full-backs back again I think it'll progress higher up the pitch and we'll see more of our attacking players because at the moment that's kind of what's letting us down isn't it we're defending not too bad and we're suddenly not scoring enough goals but I think it's about getting that balance, and, and a lot of that is down to current personnel issues. I
0: think. Well, he's got. I mean, he's, he's he's definitely got it right defensively. I mean, some of the some of the simple things I know. It's like, for example, when Socrates and Mustafa certainly when Socrates is playing, he's not. He's giving it to to David Luiz to pass out from the back. He's obviously been told yeah. just don't play it. Yeah. Just give it give it to Luiz, and that sort of thing is very simple. But what's interesting to me, because I know you've got strong views on this, I probably do as well. But we've got a lot of competitions to play in, and we can't play Torreira and Shaka every single game. We have to find alternative combinations, and that's a struggle for us right now. Because Gwendolyne needs a hairband and, and 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 all the other things. He's not. He's he's really not positionally doing very well at the moment. He needs a rest. Uh, Willock, he seems to like, but I'm not sure where Willock's best position is. Whether he's cover for Ozil or whether he should be playing. You know, in 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 the in the pivot. But do you think there's any chance we were talking about earlier? Because Maitland-Niles is the only one who's actually got pace out of all those guys because Suba hasn't got pace. And is is there a chance in the in the FA Cup or Europa League to give Maitland-Niles a chance to play in that pivot?
3: There is. There is. And I, again it's kind of a horses for courses thing because i heard you talking earlier about Danny Suba and I think that Well, yeah, I like Danny Suba. Again, and, and if, if you in certain games against lesser opposition at the Emirates, 100% you don't need two deep line players. So Xhaka and Suba can play alongside each other. And then I think there's other games where Maitland-Niles' physicality and, like you said, his, his aggression and his ability to cover distances, that becomes a, a, a big, a big plus. And and maybe a game like yesterday at Burnley would have been um, the, the kind of game where if he was fully fit and playing, it might have helped. So mm. I actually thought I did. I know you heard you talking earlier about the substitutions and bringing in strange, but I actually thought Arteta knew what he was doing. And I think when we lost control with Jacker actually physically having to play left back, I felt that taking off it was the right decision because we then had to sit in and sort of we had to we couldn't control the game as well so then he was looking for the legs in midfield to try and get the counter and if Aubameyang sticks that header away the plan works perfectly we win 1-0 and I think that's why Willock come on but there's definitely opportunities there and I do think Willock, Maitland, Niles and Sabah are so probably all greats and, and Guendouzi so it's um there are options there but like you said it's just finding the right ones at the right time and, um, <laughs> and combining them for the right games, but Jackers are definite, and and in big games, I think Torreira has got to start alongside him, but. Yeah, there's plenty of options and hopefully people take their chances.
1: Yeah, and just on Shaka Warren, because I believe you're a big fan of him. What a turnaround, obviously, for him this season, obviously. We know what happened in the Palace game. Stripped to the captaincy, some quarters were, weren't were sure if we'd ever see him play for Arsenal again. He has, and now he's obviously being impressive under Arteta. You talked about his positional play, helping out covering on the left. How, much have, how, how impressed have you been and how important a role can he play uh, under Arteta's reign?
3: I think, besides being in the ball and, and what he does as a footballer, I think he's a man's man and he's well-respected within that squad. He's well-respected by his manager, unlike the last manager who clearly threw him under the bus. And I think Arteta, is, he's in Jacker and he's given him that, whereas Emery made him the brunt of all the abuse. And, and it was three times, three times within four or five games that he was off on 60 minutes and, and, and I think, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Yaka wears his heart on his sleeve and he's, he's the kind of guy that never hides and, and in bad situations that works against him because he's always the point of um, point of release, I think, of frustration and, and we all know he does do stupid things at times on the ball but his importance is there for everyone to see. When he's in the middle, we control the game. There's many players like him, like Rodri at Man City, Fabinho does a similar job, Jorginho does it for Chelsea, they can be slow. They can be caught. They do make mistakes, but they're vitally important. And for me, it's the structure and the balance around these players that allows him to, to shine. And, and through the lines, playing balls into the final third, there's not many better out there. And, and as I say, what I like the most is he, he really does wear his heart on his sleeve. And he clearly, like you said, he could have gone two ways with that, that scenario that happened. But look at how he's bounced back. And it says more about the man he is than, than anything.
0: I think it says a lot about Arteta's belief in him as well, and 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 yeah, Arteta's definitely. communication. I think the problem with Shaka, and I mean, I mean, you know, I'm a fan, not as big a fan as you, and I've said it on this show many times. It wasn't, it was, it was Emery's fault. It wasn't Shaka's fault because Shaka was being asked to play the deepest role all the time because Torreira wasn't in the team, and when Torreira was in the team, he was being asked to play up the pitch. So, you know, every fan, every fan of Arsenal knew the problem. Most of us thought, therefore, it's not Shaka's fault. A lot of fans, however. Yeah, just thought it was Shaka's fault, but I just think he was been asked to play a role that he wasn't quick enough to play. And now Torreira's is there. As you say, you can see Shaka's strengths and attributes far more than you could under Emery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's
3: a, that's what we're talking about—the combination and 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 courses for courses. I mean, like we're saying, there'll be plenty of games where we're at home at the Emirates where we got both fullbacks bombing forward, and and has sat in there. And, and I think at the moment we're just missing that link in midfield. So Torreira. I mean, against Man United, he did get in the final third, didn't he? And he swivelled and nearly scored with that left-footed shot. But I think at home, we need to see more of that. And and whether it's Willock or whether it's Tobias or or
0: Maitland-Niles who provide that... Not Quinduzzi.
3: (laughs) <laughs> no, Grealish. I mean, again, he, he doesn't really offer the, the killer threat in the final third. He, he seems like um, weirdly he James has ben. though
0: against Villa and Tottenham earlier in the season. He absolutely did. I don't know. He was yeah, really he, he, yeah, the neck, didn't yeah, yeah. And I don't know what uh, whether it's just been overplayed at a young age. We do forget exactly that. I think
3: Dave. His confidence and he's clearly got ability. But at the moment, he, he's slightly one-paced. He loses. He loses his head and and things like that. But. Obviously, he's a young kid and he was thrusted into the limelight from the French League too. And he, he was a breath of fresh air at the beginning and unfortunately, he's but that's what happens with young players. A lot of them burst on the scene, but... He just needs time, and hopefully he can get back to the level again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really good uh, for you to be on the show tonight and give us a little bit of your time. Warren Ratcliffe there, really good to get his insight, what he's making as well. It's a short, uh, short rain so far, but what a rain it is and what an impact he's having. Well, we now head into the winter break. No game for us to preview, but we can look how Arsenal, what they'll do in that time, how they'll recharge the batteries and what we can expect. Love sports. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show and Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with Gunners Town, Dave Seager. What a show we've had so far. Brilliantly joined by Gunners Town writer Alex Burns. Then Warren Ratcliffe joined us to talk a little bit about Arteta's positional play in the short time he has had at the club. Well, what he didn't have at the club was obviously he joined in the midst of a busy festive period, game after game. Now we hit uh, the Premier League's first winter break, 14 days off for the Gunners. They're heading off to a warm winter Dubai uh, training camp. How vital, how important is this, day? Because obviously it's brand new for the players. We, we we don't normally have a winter break, but really, has this come at the right time? This is just what Arteta needs, doesn't it? Yeah, it?
0: I mean, it'll give him intense training time combined with obviously relaxation time. But most important thing for Arsenal is getting some players back, mm. um, you know, giving Be- giving Bellerin a nice break after having to play 390 minutes is important Tierney's obviously jogging now. Uh Klazinak will be back presumably after this break. Uh Reese Nelson will be in full training and pushing for a selection. So yeah, holding maybe holding, more fit. You know, holding more, will get more time. And I think it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what he does when he's out there. I'm sure we'll get full reports on yeah. Arsenal.com. But I don't know whether he'll try and arrange some sort of behind this, you know, behind closed doors friendlies. I don't know what he's going to do, but it, it's definitely important to get some of these extra players back because as as was was saying there are a few players who seem to be running a little bit on empty at the moment. I mean, Gwenndozzi is definitely you know he's definitely running a little bit on empty. And I think Bellerin, as I say, it's it's going to be very hard for him to be playing sort of three games back to back, and it's a great time for him to have a break. So we'll see. But yeah, good time. Good time for a break. Yeah, it comes
1: at the right time, obviously, for the club, for the players. It is the first of its kind in the Premier League. Uh, You know, every other top European league does it. Some get up to a month off in Italy. They're four weeks off. But it is a nice two weeks off day for the players. And we've kind of covered it on tonight's show in a sense of long pre-season, Alex was saying there. Me and you uh, very much believe that the FA Cup Europa League is still in play. It is the business end of the season, an important
0: end to the season. What can you expect if you have any of any kind, Dave Well, I think I think any trophy is a springboard to, to further success because it breeds confidence in a squad, and and it's a squad of players at Arsenal. You know, you've got to bear in mind that even though it's only three years, three seasons ago, how many players are left from the 2017 trophy? You know, it's you know some of those players. You've got, mm. you've, got you've got you've got McBellerin still there. You've got Ozil still there. You've got Shaka still there. You've got Holding still there. Mustafi didn't play, but but. A lot of these younger players have never experienced, success, you know, any sort of success other than maybe in junior football with their countries. So to get a trophy in a season that you know most would put down as a complete <laughs> disaster. I mean, you know, in the league, it's 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 un, you know it's unparalleled really how poor we've been, you know, in points tally. Um, so to get a trophy would be amazing, and I think, I think, I think if we can get a, get a run of form going in the league, it will rub off in the cups. And I I, I said. A while ago, when I wrote about it, I said I thought Bournemouth in the FA Cup was going to be the turning point for Arsenal's season, mm. and I really believed that last Monday. And obviously, it, had we scored those two early goals against Burnley, I, you know, I think that would have been so. With a break coming back, Newcastle at home, very very winnable game, you know, and and then we've got obviously Pompe- Pompey as you say in the FA Cup, exceedingly winnable game, Olympiacos, very winnable tie. So you know, we could be coming towards the end of February, up in the top six or seven. By then, and in the you know in the in the round of 16 in, in the Europa League, and in, in the last eight in the FA Cup, crikey, who knows where we can go then? It's just confidence. So. Obvious,
1: obviously, you mentioned it there. One goal, one win is the catalyst, and then and then the good times roll to a sense, Dave. But is the top seven, top eight still is it well, still within reach? The difference
0: is totally mm. no. I mean, you look at Chelsea; that they're, they're faltering. Spurs have had a very lucky win this week, and that's put them to 37 points. You know, we're two wins behind being fifth. You know, and and we have played a lot of our toughest games, so we have a run of games now, which on paper at least are quite winnable. You know, I think we don't play Man City. Um, sorry, no, we don't play Liverpool till May, but I think certainly in you know February March, we've got a good run of games that are very winnable. So, on paper, but you know, I think we could be easily, you know, putting pushing for Europa if not beyond. It's not impossible because no one, Wolves and Man City. You know, Wolves and Man United didn't take advantage this weekend. Tottenham did. Chelsea didn't. Leicester didn't. You know, so there's a lot of teams that you think they'll be pushing on. Maybe the top three is out of reach. But Chelsea, I'm not so sure about them at the moment. Frank Lampard doesn't seem to know his team. Spurs, they've been all very, very average. They had a very good result this week. But in in the main, they're not playing any better than us. Mm. Um, Wolves have been, but they've faltered and they've got a lot of games as well. So Sheffield United are the one surprise. But above that, I mean, the teams that around us, Everton, Southampton, Burnley, you'd have to think once we get everyone fit, we should pull away from them. So we can definitely be pushing for Europa. The question is, do we want it? Well, I hope so. Uh, why, why wouldn't we? Well, I just think, you know, look at what happened to Chelsea and Leicester when they weren't playing in European competition, they won the league. So, you know, a lot of Arsenal fans are starting to say on social media, mm. if we win the Europa League or we're in the Champions League, that's great. But if we don't do that, Maybe finishing eighth wouldn't be the worst thing that's ever happened to Arsenal. From a fans' perspective, but from uh, the board level, they oh, course, want yeah, that. Yeah. The incentive, the money, the financial, uh, the finance it brings—they're they're, going to go for it, aren't they? Oh, of course they are. Absolutely. No, we're not saying we don't. We're not going to yeah. try and achieve it. But I'm just saying the fans are starting to mutter as to whether. You know, people will still come to Arsenal, Charlie. You know, it's a big club. You've got London. We've still got. I know we're not spending money in January, you haven't? But we are going to spend money in the summer. I'm absolutely certain of it. So, you know, it's it's we're still a big draw for one season out. I think a lot of fans are saying, "Well, not having to play all those extra games, really concentrating on domestic." Look what's happened to other teams that have had that situation. Chelsea, Leicester, two examples in particular. Man United the other year as well. So there are teams that have done very well when they haven't had to play in European football.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, obviously, we know how this season's gone, Dave. We speak every Monday on the season, whether it's good or bad. One thing that we, we speak about is Arteta's impact on the field and how everyone's behind it and, and what we're seeing so far, the the short impact he has made in the time he's had at the club. Another thing that maybe we don't talk about is how that maybe after what wasn't the greatest start to this season, how he has brought the fans together. And there feels like a, a maybe much more of a... Wrong word, but a united sense of the fans being together and and all on the same page, going in one direction. Well, I
0: mean, uh, the best way to benchmark that is, and I don't go as often as I should, but away games. And obviously I was, that's why I haven't been in the last few weeks, I was in Bournemouth, I was at Stamford Bridge. The the away fans...
1: Especially Stamford Bridge. I mean,
0: it was absolutely rocking. You could not hear Chelsea sing the whole game. We were... Surprised. and, And given that we were playing not that well, we were playing with character, but it's not like we were, you know dominating the game we were down to 10 men it looked like it was all backs to to the wall everyone was united in the fan base on that night and I think same at Bournemouth so I think despite there's been a few murmurs this weekend because of some of the selections but in general terms I think easily a large majority of Arsenal fans are delighted with Arteta and it comes back to what Alex said was said it I've said it on this show loads of times nobody knew the direction of travel and the structure and the formation everybody knows all three now and 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 the way the players talk about him and as, as a communicator and as a mentor, even after only five weeks, you just know that the players are buying into what he wants.
1: I know, and, but we are all hoping, aren't we? We're just waiting for that first win because every week we go, well, "This will be the week after well, the Man bomb United was, was the one we thought,
0: you know." But no, I just yeah. I mean, we we, we as I said to you off air, you know, not bemoaning our lack of luck with VAR or decisions or anything, but sometimes you do need. One of those goals to go in that's not expected. Lacazette needs to want to go off his bottom. I've said on the air before. You just need a little bit of luck, and if mm. if one of those chances had gone in against Bournemouth, you could be having a completely different conversation. We need a break. Uh, we've got we've got the players, we've got the coach. We just need the confidence to see it, and and that will come with that result. Because if the if the way we're playing over 90 minutes is good, and we get the result. It will grow and grow, definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, looking forward to to coming back after that winter break, the Europa League for Arsenal facing Olympiacos, Portsmouth in the FA Cup, Newcastle in the league. Should be a good time. Just quickly then on Arteta. We're hearing about the impact he's made. Some of the players changing their position, putting the arm around him. A brilliant communicator, Dave. Is there any players that we think in this short amount of time he's realised
0: very quickly don't have much of an Arsenal future? Oh, he put me on the spot there. <laughs> um, well, Mavropanos would be one. <laughs> it's such a suggest. shame. Yeah, I mean, he's played apparently played brilliantly yesterday um, for Nuremberg. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, um, I've got a feeling that. Socrates may not be an Arsenal player next year. Mm. The way he's playing Mustafi ahead of him now, and he's bought in someone else. He's got Chambers was definitely our best centre back before injury, um, so I think he'll be definitely in the mix this year, uh, um, next season, and holding well. So I think Socrates, given his age, he may have made a decision on him. I think um, I'm. I would suggest by the signing of Tierney beforehand, and the way he's playing Saka, and the fact he was linked to left backs in the window, maybe Kolasinac. And I don't think it's a necessary reflection of him as a player. I just think he's on 120 grand a week because he's a free transfer, and he is not a 120 grand a week player. Mm. So maybe Kolasinac, um, we'll see.
1: We'll see. Maybe uh, Lacazette.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who knows?
1: Well, this has been the Arsenal fan show, as it is every Monday on Love Sport Radio, with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with Dave Seeger from Gunners Town. We will see you next Monday at seven.